walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. How we doing? How are you doing? I feel like it's always all about me. How are you doing at home? How are you doing listening? How is it? How, how did you, did you watch the big game this weekend? <laughs> ah, those those teams really threw that pigskin down the field, and uh, I mean the offense. They offense the defense defended, and then uh, really it just came down to who could put more points on the board. I think is really what it came down to. So um, good game, good game. Rihanna looked uh, absolutely scrumptious, I guess, as much as a pregnant puss, as, as much as a as uh, as much as a pregnant woman can be. Uh, <laughs> does that mean to say? No, nah, no, nah, I, nah, I fucks with Rihanna. Pretty good. I mean, uh, hey, Valentine's Day was yesterday, right? God, did you give your uh, did you give your loved one a uh, a nice loving uh whatever the fuck uh flowers did you give them some chocolate to have some good old-fashioned lactose farts at night uh or is that just me or did you just celebrate it as a free spirit single ready to mingle i know there's some people out there nothing wrong with that at all people suck so uh nothing wrong with being single but hey don't you worry the hardest part of the rings here. Gonna shoot an arrow right into your pee hole for uh, some WWE Armageddon 2002. The end is here, folks. The end is here. The end of uh, 2002. Final WWE pay-per-view of this year. Probably the last... Um, shit. Probably the last time I'll ever touch this year with this podcast. Unless it go on... Review some of the old TNA shows with uh, slim pickings on there. But good show here. Armageddon 2002. Um, well, some parts of it. <laughs> some parts of it were uh, a little. Uh, I'll put it this way. We got lots of HLA on this show. We also got major debuts, uh, including the debut Actually, I'm not going to say it. There's a, there's a huge debut. It's kind of early on in the podcast. We'll touch on it. Uh, it's really massive. Uh, so I think I'm just going to let the podcast speak for itself. But we also 
get the pay-per-view uh, singles match debuts of Batista and A-Train, which is, uh, so we're kind of gearing up for, because uh, 2002, right, it's, it's been a year of transition overall, but this show, they really hammer it home, trying new stuff, um, A-Train, a new gimmick for Albert, and then, uh, boy, howdy, we're going to be talking a lot about Batista for the next few years on this podcast, so... Lots to get into there. You got Eddie versus Benoit, which is always a treat. Couple world title matches. One is pretty much what the whole show is based on. That being the three stages of hell match between Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And we also got Kurt Angle versus Big Show, which is <laughs> uh, lots of shenanigans afoot there. Um, again, I think the podcast will speak for itself. But solid show. Solid show. Uh, by the way, keep an eye out uh, on my YouTube page. Well, first of all, subscribe if you have not already. Um, also, give the video a like if you're watching on the tubes. But uh, I'm going to be doing a tier list eventually for the year of 2002 for uh, WWE, much similar to how I did it with 2001. I don't know if it'll be a live stream this time or not, but uh, follow me on all the socials so, uh, so uh, you could be kept abreast of uh when this will be and hey if you like this era of wrestling you like early 2000s wwe slash wwf you like the attitude era you like the ruthless aggression era if you want to hear me recap it all for you well daddy or mommy i guess i got you go to apronbump.com and you can go to the episodes tab at the top and you can Filter to whatever promotion, whatever era you'd like to hear me recap. You could select Ruthless Aggression Era, and that'll filter it down to all of the Ruthless Aggression Era shows that I have covered thus far, all in chronological order. Binge away. Tweedle your nips and call me Sally. Do all of those things. Check it out. And um, you, know what you, you know what you should also check out? You know whose nipples you should also tweedle? is BC Hunter from the Wrestling With The War podcast. He was my guest today on this episode, and we had a good old time. Love BC. Uh, I'd marry him uh, if he was uh, in the same country as me, but unfortunately, he's up there, up north. So, uh, yeah, go check out the... <laughs> Sorry, I just got... I spiraled into like a romantic fantasy about BC Hunter. Uh, but go check him out. Him and his co-host Jay, the Duke, good stuff over there at Wrestling with the War is their uh, audio podcast in which they cover the Monday Night Wars. So they cover all the Nitros, the Monday Night Rawls, the pay-per-views. They started from the beginning, uh, the, from the first Nitro. They actually kind of recently started. So uh, now is a good time to hop on that train. A really, really fun podcast to listen to. Just, just a couple of pleasant boys. Uh, talking about wrestling and uh, very unique how they take uh, their approach on it and very entertaining. So go check them out and check them out on YouTube as well, um, which is under the banner of their former name of their podcast, Wrestling With The Truth. And uh, that's kind of where they touch more on the current product and kind of just whatever, uh, whatever tickles their pickle in the moment. They do a lot of live streams that really, really fun time. They do a lot of collabs and all that stuff. Check out all their info in the description below. Follow them on all the socials. And uh, yeah, with that, the end of this intro is here, right? <laughs>
WWE Armageddon 2002 with myself and BC from the Wrestling with the War podcast. There you see that uh, <laughs> that sweet Canadian mug, right? Canadian, right? Canadian, yeah. Where are you at, anyways? Uh, Virginia, Virginia. Ah, okay. For lovers, mm, not around here. Not around. Not around these parts. <laughs> Virginia's for uh, rednecks and people stabbing each other sometimes. But <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, you could say it's like Armageddon or something around here, right? Is it? Well, yeah, you could use that reference, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you, you might. I mean, I don't know if I would, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, how, how's your uh, how's your podcast going? Like, you guys just transitioned to uh, wrestling with the war. How's that been going? Yeah, we tried to like basically, as I think we called it, niche down and just focus on some. We were just mm-hmm. kind of all over the place, and I don't know, it just. People liked it, but it, it it just didn't feel like we had any direction. And you're kind of wondering what you're going to talk about each week. So this way, it's it's nice. Yeah. We know what we're going into, and we're having fun with it. Um, it's pretty cool to go back and watch the stuff. There's some crap, and then there's some uh, there's some good <laughs> right. stuff. So it seems like we're getting a few more listeners though because of it. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, cause, uh, you guys are going like chronologically, right? Yeah, right now we're doing that. We'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, if it gets like super dull, but we should be good. We're heading, we're heading into 96. So it's a few things that happened in 96 that should keep people interested. But right. uh, 95 yeah. is pretty brutal right now, but we're coming up on Halloween Havoc uh, 95. And you know all about you, that. <laughs> I love it. You guys were a lot kinder to In Your House 3 than I was. So uh, <laughs> hey, maybe you guys just have a, a more positive mindset because you guys are like, yeah, Sid versus fucking what was it Henry O'Godwin? Was that was that a match? <laughs> yeah, and you guys it like was. yeah, it's pretty good match. Oh, something you're like this match was dog shit. What are you talking about, Sid? Like, just I don't know. Sid is a, th- that's the whole thing. I think we go into it with lowered expectations, so then it's like, oh, okay, well that wasn't Maybe. as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's a, I was expecting a colonoscopy, but I only got the finger up the ass, right? So <laughs> that's true. That's true. But if you're if you're throwing something up there, it might as well be the whole thing. That's what I always it say. It might as well be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of colonoscopies, um, I would have rather had one than watched this show. But um, <laughs> actually, well, it wasn't a bad show. Um, I thought, yeah, it it was pretty good. I mean, I've been watching all these shows from 2002, and um, I guess, first of all, were you, were you watching during this time period? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I think when I really kind of tuned out was uh, in that 2005-ish, 6-ish era, like when we got into WWECW type of stuff, right? But uh, mm, I was, I was yeah. coming off the Attitude Era. 2002, like, one thing was I because of watching this, I kind of went back in Wikipedia just to look at, okay, what was happening leading up to it? I was just trying to catch myself up. And I'm like, holy shit, that whole year was just full of just dream matches. When you see like the roster that they had mm-hmm. the matches between, it seemed like the SmackDown six were putting on a classic in every pay-per-view. But uh, yeah. yeah, this was, I, I, you know, after watching this, I, you know, comparing it to in your house three, much better. Okay, card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it, you, you had. Your your bar was in the mud, whereas yeah. mine was slightly higher. I mean, because the, WWE they're just coming off of Survivor Series O two, yeah. which is one of my personal favorite pay per views. So maybe I had a high oh, yeah. bar going into this, and 
this show is like this whole year really is kind of a transition period for WWE. But I feel like this show in particular, like they're just trying shit like some of it worked and some of it didn't. But there's there's a lot of new faces on this show. A lot of um, at some points, though, it felt like they were like stretching for time. Like there were a few segments on here that were like, why am I watching this? But we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But uh yeah, over overall thoughts on the show before we, uh, I guess, dive into the individual matches and stuff. Yeah, overall thoughts. I mean, again, I'm between watching 1995 wrestling at the moment and watching today's wrestling, which, yeah, I know the bloodline thing has just been amazing. But other than that, I'm kind of down mm-hmm. on today's wrestling at the moment. So this Same was here. a nice palate cleanser for me just to see some of my old favorites go at it. Um, just... I remember that era being kind of crazy as far as the hardcore stuff, but I, I forgot how physical some of the matches were, you know, like seeing that whole HBK triple H match. Like even I never loved like a garbage can lid as a weapon, but it, if there's one match where the garbage can Oof. lid shot actually looked like it did some damage, this is the one, you know, the, um, the sounds echoed. It yes. was crazy. And like, Sean, that that splat that he did after the ladder dive was just <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I don't know if this is the era still of the the super concrete ring that they used to have for the big guys, but man, like that that ring did not mm. seem like it had a lot of give on some of those falls. Yeah, he didn't really break his fall with his arms or his legs. <laughs> like you said, it was just a splat. It so, appeared like his face broke insane. the fall. To be quite honest, there we go. That's something. That's something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this whole, this whole show kind of built to that one match, which I guess in, in yeah. a way it's three matches in one. But um, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm. But uh, yeah, the show opens up. One thing about this era that I loved were its intro packages and just like the overall like atmosphere the pay-per-views had because yeah. it's Armageddon. It's for all intents and purposes. It's just like an evergreen pay-per-view. It's, it's whatever. There's yep. no gimmicks to it, but they really do a good job at kind of like setting the mystique in the beginning with the uh, what is it like? It's like Hiroshima or something. It's like some plane dropping a bomb. Yeah. And uh, Freddie Blassie, I think, is doing a voiceover. Um, the end. He did like, like every voiceover then. <laughs> yeah, he still should. They should still just use his, <laughs> his words and just splice something together. The ghost of um, Freddie Blassie. <laughs> they should just name a pay-per-view the ghost of Freddie Blassie. And I would people would watch it. They've they've, they've done stupider shows. Yeah. <laughs> um and the set too, man. I mean, because oh, the video yeah. package at the beginning cuts to the set with like the flames and like the state, like the steel walls or whatever you want to call it. I thought it just felt like a pay-per-view, and I feel like that's a lost yeah. art. Um, today, I miss I miss the uh, specific sets that they had for certain pay-per-views. It just you're right. It felt like it was a major event different. Like right now, it just feels like another episode of Raw when they do a right. or SmackDown when they do a pay-per-view. But uh, that and then that that opening theme song, like the, the Doors metal version song that they did the end or whatever was fantastic. Yeah. Jim Johnston, man, he was yeah. his piano was on fire when he was making that song. Miss that guy. Miss that guy. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we open up here with actually a pretty good match. Probably so like in the Rawls and Smackdowns leading up to the show, they really built up to the main event and to this opening match. Nothing else really got built, um, at least substantially, in my opinion. But they, they were putting a lot of effort in this tag division here, even though 
you look at these teams and a lot of them are kind of just makeshift teams. So it's a four way elimination match for the world tag team titles. So your champions, Chris Jericho and Christian versus the team of Lance Storm and William Regal versus the team of Booker T and Goldust versus the newly reunited Dudley boys. So we're fresh off a of Survivor Series where Devon came back and they tried the Reverend Devon thing, which is, again, like to my point, like this is this era where they're just kind of like trying stuff. And they tried splitting the Dudleys up for whatever reason. It just never amounted to much. So they're back together here. Do you have any memories of uh, like their individual singles runs in 02? I just remember them being brutal. Like uh, at least Devon tried. He did a different gimmick. He was a reverend Devon or whatever. And he had Deacon Dave as well. But um, Bubba, like what? He wore a different muscle shirt and that was it. He still is in the shorts. He's just. Like if they had done something like they did with, yeah, (laughs) they had did something like they did with aces and eights, like that era, Bubba or something like that, then it would be something Mm -hmm. different at least. But it just felt like, yeah, Bubba left them. When when it happened, I thought Bubba was going to be the breakout star for them. Yet it seemed like Devon got the better push for stuff. But uh, yeah, Yeah. and I was so confused by uh, because again, I wasn't watching up to it, but I was trying to look some stuff up, but. You have the Un-Americans, which Christian was a part of at one point, but now he's with Jericho. And then, God, mm-hmm. I forgot how much of a dweeb Christian looked like in his gear with the stringy <laughs> hair and all that stuff yeah. back then. The uh, uh, singlet, not yeah. the singlet, but like the tank top top. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was cool seeing Booker T and Goals. I remember them back in the day and how much fun that they were as a tag team. And uh, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know if you want to talk about the match, but the match was great. I mean, I, Right off the get-go, there seemed to be like a botch on the first pin attempt where uh, Regal was it Regal? That- How do you botch a pin? <laughs> I know, <laughs> <It was> so- <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you overshoot a pin here? with Bubba. Yeah, his, yeah, his pin was just so intense that he yeah. just overshot it, like you said. Because yeah, because first of all, so there's four teams in here. Two teams get eliminated within like the first three minutes. It seemed like um, the Dudleys hit a uh, 3D onto uh lance storm i believe or somebody uh regal yep. makes makes the blind tag though but as bubba is covering the guy lance storm comes off the top with a leg drop onto bubba regal yep. rolls into the pin but like you said it just kind of like turns him over into to the where bubba's on top of him and you can tell they're like trying to decide oh it's like go with it or to roll this yeah. way or roll this way it felt like forever they were just just mugging around holding each other down there but eventually he pins them and uh eliminates them so the dudleys get eliminated pretty much right off the jump even though they they do their old the waza the 3d all that so they got their greatest hits in i guess but uh pretty much right after that gold dust just hits a snap power slam onto william regal for the elimination and uh which, which that, brings it down me- to yeah, I was going to say, that made me think that maybe the botch was really supposed to be Bubba rolling over top and pinning Regal, and that's why they had to get rid of Regal pretty quickly. And maybe the Dudleys were supposed to last longer, but that could be my only explanation maybe. for how they botched the pinfall. Like I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> I literally think Regal's just like, oh, but I, pin, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta make it look tight. And it was just too tight. Yeah. And Are you Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> He's He's red. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just brings it down to Goldust and Booker T versus the the Chris's, I guess, which leads me to wonder 
maybe it should have just been a singles match against uh, mm. f- those two teams. Because if they, they actually had a pretty lengthy run here with just these two here. I mean, yep. maybe at least 10 minutes or so. Uh, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it was because uh, didn't they the previous pay-per-view have a one-on-one match between these two teams or something like that? Or I think um, I read it was a couple or something. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah. just felt like that's the match that should have been from the get-go. It's like they were just trying to get everybody on the card. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, one thing I've complained about on watching 95 Raw is just Lawler and his crazy conversations that he has yeah. and the references. But I did pop when I heard when uh jericho had the walls of jericho on book and he's like tap out sucker <laughs> so <it> was, uh... <laughs> lawler has some good because uh, like you i, I flip flop between this era and the new generation and lawler's mm. way more tolerable here than he <laughs> in is. the mid 90s um but that eventually uh went downhill at some point for him but um well we had uh, jr to roll to, to reel him in basically at this point yeah, Vince is not a guy for banter. He's uh, he doesn't know how to react to jokes. Like Lawler will say, a, like in '95, Lawler will say like some joke, and then Vince will be like, "Oh, what?" Uh. Well, anyway, and then they just keep going. He's like, "Come on, Vince!" <laughs> One, two, he got him. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> That's what this show needed. It needed Vince on comms. I think it needed yeah, and Jesse. Oh, of course. Of course. I think he's busy. He's, he's governor at this point, isn't he? Uh, 2002? He might have been. He might have been, yeah. I don't know. He's just always the governor 90, to me. 98 he was, wasn't he? Because that's when he did the uh, referee for the... Uh, right. I think it was 989, so maybe? I don't know if his, his term might have been still going. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Should have moved on to prison. Um, he should have. Well, it's not too late. It's not too late. 2024 is, 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 is yeah. coming. But um, book dust versus the the Canadians here, so pretty good little uh, back back and forth between these two teams. You got uh, Booker T and Gold Dust. They do like a heart attack kind of deal, but Booker T does his spin kick instead. Uh, Gold Dust misses a cross body and just goes flying to the outside. Jericho takes the flag, which I think is the Lance Storm's flag, and just hits him with it. Uh, but eventually, Booker T gets the hot tag, and really the whole story here. Going into this is that Goldust thinks he's the weak link of the team. Booker is like, no, dog, you're not. But <laughs> I feel like this match kind of just solidified that because Goldust is just getting his ass kicked. I mean, I guess he pinned Regal. That's something. But like Goldust just got his ass kicked and had to tag in Booker for the save. Um, but Booker has a damn good hot tag. He's just cleaning house. Does his uh, like a roll up out of the corner for two. There's a lot of good false finishes in this match. Um, I don't know any any spots particulars to got to you and like this ending stretch of it here. Well, as far as the weak link stuff, it it would help if they had to mention that a little bit on commentary. If they had to brought it up once or twice about Goldust being the weak link, I mm. feel like Lawler only touched on it about fifty times during the match. But uh, <laughs> that was know. a theme throughout this whole show. Uh, it's a Lawler. All right, here's this one word. I'm going to say it over and over again. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you're hammered that home for sure. But, but yeah, you, when you mentioned the gold dust missed cross body, like he went flying out of the ring and I, and this is the air when they had photographers around the ring and I thought for sure somebody's getting crushed by him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they didn't. And, uh, Booker, Booker was over big time. And of course he went on into, in WrestleMania to fight for the title, but 
yeah, he was over big time at this. Like you could tell he was, he was the, red hot. the main attraction of this match. Yeah. 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 Cause like you said, he goes on to WrestleMania and like, this is kind of like the build up to that. It's like the justification for that is because of how hot he is. And, yeah. um, yeah, definitely carrying the team here, but yeah, miss, uh, missile drop kick from Booker off the top rope, Spinner Rooney, scissors kick to Christian or to Jericho, but Christian distracts the ref. Gold dust takes out Christian. Uh, but Booker T can only get a two count. That, that was kind of the running theme here is that Booker would do a big move. Somebody would distract the ref and then gold dust would take that guy out. So he was kind of like a, an accessory to this whole thing, which I guess that's teamwork, I suppose. Uh, Jericho with a belt shot, line salt to Booker T for a two count. Jericho attempts another belt shot, but gets countered and Booker T hits the bookend for the win. So gold dust Booker T new tag team champions. Uh, pretty cool moment here. I mean, gold dust Booker T where we're well into their run. They've done all the fun skits and the odd couple stuff. And I think Christian and Chris Jericho were solid heels here. So all in all, I thought this was a, a pretty good opener. Would, would this era for Christian and Chris Jericho be pre-ass cream or post-ass cream? <laughs> Ooh. Shit. Because they did the thing where they like were in the shower and then I think the yeah. Dudleys like stole their towels. No, this yeah. is after this is right after ass cream. This is right after is ass it cream. After that ass was in cream? the same segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's how you look at Christian and Chris Jericho, pre and post ass cream. <laughs> two different eras vastly different yeah, eras. yeah exactly vastly in considering jericho was the undisputed champ like six months prior to this or whatever yeah man that was a uh yeah christian and jericho they're just like hey you guys aren't doing anything be a tag team i guess um which they gave them something to do they were champions for a bit but uh and jericho would go on to face sean at wrestlemania and christian is uh You'd get a haircut soon, Christian. I guess. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd go to TNA. He'd do all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this matchup would pretty soon. But um, yeah, but after that, we get a uh, well, it cuts to a, a flashback to Heat earlier in the night. We get a huge debut here, BC. The debut mm -hmm. of Josh Matthews. Is uh, backstage with Brock Lesnar, the, the newest member of the SmackDown uh, announce team, I guess. He's trying to get a word with Brock Lesnar because Brock's not on the card tonight. Uh, but you wouldn't think it with how the WWE title match was booked. But um, Josh is like, hey, Brock, are you going to be in Kurt's corner tonight? Because tonight it's going to be Big Show defending the title against Kurt Angle. And Brock's like, I plan to make an impact. So uh, I guess Brock's also going to TNA. Fun He's fact. going to TNA. Yeah, exactly. Look Dang at that. Kurt. Look at that. Yeah. All intersects. It all intersects. Do you think that was a rib on Josh? Like, hey, your first interview is going to be with uh, Brock, by the way. Hey, at least he didn't get thrown through a wall or anything like Matt Hardy did. So. I, I forgot about that. That was intense. <laughs> no matitude on that boy. Or maybe too much. But uh, man, choo-choo. Choo-choo, am I right? We got a, <laughs> uh, a pay-per-view debut here of the A-Train versus Edge. We're, so newly repackaged, A-Train's about, uh, I don't know, a month or so into this new name, gimmick, whatever you want to call it. Where do, where do you think this character ranks among all of Prince Albert's uh, aliases? Yeah, so I remember at the time disliking 
Matt Bloom a lot as far as this character. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't an A-train character. But watching this match, I'm like, they really did him dirty with the whole Tensai, Sweet Tea, Funkadactyls type of gimmick. Because mm-hmm. in this match, he actually looked pretty damn good, man. Like, he got a lot of offense in. I mean, of course, he's working with Edge is going to sell like like crazy for him. But it seemed like they were trying to put him over as this pretty, uh, pretty scary dude. And he actually... He moves fast. He he knows what he's doing. I thought he looked decent in this. I mean, I was obviously Prince Albert. You didn't really see him for for what he could do. But he, mm-hmm. when I think now what he did, like who did he piss off in the back? And and was the job at uh, NXT uh, a makeup for that whole Sweet Tea situation? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, man. I think uh, Matt Bloom super underrated. He had a couple good matches, like in the. T T and A days with test. Yeah. Um yeah. there was like a random match with Kane on, on a random SmackDown that was like incredible that I still remember. It was like in 2001 at some point. Um, but like whenever he got a chance to shine, he would shine. And uh yeah, like you mm-hmm. said, I don't know who he pissed off because he always got these goofy gimmicks or was just like a henchman, which he would kind of end up being with this A-train deal. But um, he looked like a beast in this match until that final chair shot on the knee was so weak on edge. But other than that, and then he took a vicious, vicious chair afterwards. Oof. A couple of vicious chair shots on this on this uh, show. But um, yeah, that was my thing here. Like with a train, like, yeah, he did look like a beast like that. That Baldo bomb was I always <laughs> loved the way he like slaps the guy like on his throat when he grabs him and just like slams him. I think he, like a lot of people do like that move or a variation of that move, but I thought his was always the best. Yeah. Um, but it, it felt like a train kind of was desperate to get a chair and get himself DQ'd, which is like, you're this big monster. Wouldn't you just like use your size and your girth and your hair to just suffocate this guy? Like, why are you being a chicken shit? when you're this big monstrous uh, locomotive fella. I don't know. Yeah. That Maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense. It. Yeah. And, I mean, you could tell obviously that they were picking edge to be a star and like, they're really trying to make him out to be that. Yeah. And you knew the rocket was going on him pretty soon, but it felt like the, the more bigger star in this match was Albert until the very end. To him. Yeah. All of a sudden he just turns oh, yeah. into jobber number two. <laughs> yeah, because Edge here even because we're pretty fresh off of that um that pretty famous street fight he had with Eddie Guerrero on SmackDown, where yeah. Edge I think he essentially like broke his neck in that match, didn't he? Maybe not I broke so, his neck, yeah. but he definitely he, he fucked it up at least. Um, yeah. so Edge is actually pretty banged up in this match, and I think it would it would be like February because this is December. So like in a matter of months, he goes and gets neck surgery and he's out for like a year or more. I don't know, right. Because he exactly missed long, Mania in Toronto. Out. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Edge. Yeah, they, they had big plans for him as a top baby face, but it wouldn't really uh, pan out that way. But I guess it all worked in the end, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the match is pretty good. I think uh, what Edge hits like a tornado educator. We got. um Oh, anything else stick out to you? And oh, a train, probably the most impressive thing a train did in this match was uh, Edge was going for like a top rope cross body or something, and then Albert just hits this bicycle kick out of midair yes. onto Edge. That looked pretty badass. It did. Also, did you catch the uh, where he almost decapitated him doing the slingshot on, on the second rope? Where he, uh, Ooh, I don't forget what you call yeah. that. It's like the wheelbarrow where you lift them up and they, they snap their neck. I mean, 
guillotine <laughs> something something yeah. yeah 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 it was i feel like he always weirdly had like a really vicious looking one of those moves i don't know what it is i don't know what the technique is but it always looked uh brutal i mean i guess how could it not be but um oh i gotta shout out michael cole here because he had a good line a train was is when he was coming out in his entrance and cole's like michael cole's like a train has jumped on the fast track to success because <laughs> oh, he's a train do you get it yeah it's a train choo choo, choo, -choo. <laughs> <laughs> well like you said uh edge kind of fights back he's starting to get some momentum going spears a train but then a train grabs a chair and just smashes edge on the leg for a dq and uh also there's further backstory here so edge and ray mysterio had been teaming at this point but a train basically took out ray by injuring his knee hadn't he had to get to go get surgery like a on smackdown a train put ray like in a tree of woe against the the turnbuckle post and hit him with a chair in the knee so the whole story of this match i guess is albert's trying to do the same thing to edge commentary is putting over how edge has a torn mcl which i don't know if that's a real thing or not um, I mean, I know what an MCL is a real thing. I'm just saying, I don't know if it's torn or not, but, um, I guess that's why he hit him in the leg with a chair. It's supposed to be brutal, but it didn't seem like edge really was uh, too faced by it, but yeah. I mean, he was able, he was able to stand on it enough to give a train all kinds of CTE with that chair shot to the head. Ugh. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's a, uh, with that, that's the size of the head. The size of the head on Bloom, I'm surprised the chair didn't lose that battle. <laughs> well, it was pretty bent, so it, it had it some was, scars yeah. on it. Yeah, it was vicious. My God, when I saw it, I like yeah. I forgot about uh, chair shots to the head and how bad they were back then. Yeah, it's 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 hard to look at in hindsight for sure. I guess Matt Bloom, Matt Bloom's do it okay for now, so all's well mm -hmm. that ends well. Yep. But. Uh, we got the WWE champ backstage with his his uh, manager, Paul Heyman. So it's Big Show and Paul Heyman backstage. And they're talking about what Brock said earlier about how he's going to make an impact because uh, we're fresh off a of Survivor Series where Paul Heyman turned on Brock Lesnar and aligned with the Big Show. And the Big Show gave Brock his first loss in WWE and took his WWE title from him. So Big Show is all paranoid about what Brock said. He's like, what? What was making impact mean? What's he going to do? And Paul Heyman's like, oh, I'll go talk to Stephanie. I'll make sure she takes care of it. And I don't, again, another huge monster being a chicken shit. Don't know why this is their uh, modus operandi here, but it is. It is. But uh, who chooses the big show over Brock Lesnar, by the way? <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question because like, the whole build up to Survivor Series was like Brock. He basically didn't need Paul Heyman anymore and he wasn't listening to him. So I guess he had no choice. But yeah. I think Paul would align with Kurt Angle after this. Isn't that a thing? Isn't that how Team Angle comes into play? Uh, that might be. Yeah, you might be onto something there. Yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little fuzzy on this this timeline, but I think that's a thing. But um, after that, we get something a little different. We get Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Very, I mean, it's, uh, watching these two wrestle was always bizarre in hindsight. It's always a little, maybe a little depressing, but uh, man, I could, I could still watch these guys wrestle every day. I mean, you're not going to get a bad match with these two. Um, 
lots of chain, like very a stark difference between this match and the last match. A lot of good technical stuff, chain wrestling. Uh, I don't know. What did you think about this one? So as as I said on our show, because we're watching ninety five Benoit, uh, and we're seeing actually against Eddie on there, and um, like I said it before, I can't erase the memory of Benoit as a wrestler and how he was one of my favorite wrestlers back then. I don't forgive him for what he did in real life, but I mean. Uh, watching this is a wrestling clinic, basically. I mean, even from like his theme song, being a Canadian, I have to love that because it's Our Lady Peace that's doing the theme song, but <laughs> right. it's by law. We have to love it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's something, there's just something about these two when they're together. It's so technical yet so physical. It's just unbelievable. And mm. they, it was the right move to have Eddie play the heel because there's just something when Eddie goes heel, he he just gets dark. And it's like, when you're looking at him, he's, it's like he transforms into this person. Like you, you almost think that mm-hmm. he's off the wagon here or something at this point, because he just feels like just dark and, and, and just in like the gutter or something. And it plays into this whole match and I won't spoil the rest of the match, but I mean, man, like anytime you get to watch a Benoit Eddie match is a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like Eddie and Benoit both, and like I always say this, even like when they have individual matches against other people, like they make every move count. Like there's so much intent behind everything they do. It's it's very similar to like a Bret Hart. Like everything yes. mattered. All the, they they sold aggressively. They their strikes were aggressive. Their submissions were aggressive. Like everything just felt like a fight. And when they <laughs> fight against each other, it's just amplified. So uh, we just we just talked about this on the show. We said. We can see, like, or I said, I mean, Jay's more of a today's wrestling fan, but I said, I can Mm. see where today's wrestlers got what they're doing from. They got the intensity, they got the speed, they got the the crazy moves, but what they forgot to notice is that they're selling these moves. They sell them very well, and they take time Mm -hmm. in between uh, the moves for it to register as well. And if if today's guys, who are so athletic, would just add that little piece to it, it... you couldn't match what they'd be doing today compared to mm-hmm. anything else. But these guys, you could put this match in today's wrestling and it fits in perfectly. They were so oh, yeah. far ahead of their time, especially compared to WWE. They were so far ahead of their time. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really like when the radicals came to WWE is when you kind of saw the more technical matches begin to unfold on a more regular basis. And they, they really yeah. spearheaded that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, some chain wrestling in the beginning, uh, feeling each other out, and it kind of amps up a little bit. Benoit gets thrown over the top rope, kind of. It was like a weird, like he gets, he like went, I don't even know how to like describe it with words. He like he almost went over the, the top rope, but went through the, yeah. between like the second and third rope. It got like yeah. pancaked or folded up like a sandwich or whatever the hell. Um, but it actually looked cool because it actually made sense that that could possibly happen. It's like. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it hurt, so. You could see Eddie say to the, to Hebner, like, uh, go check on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Eddie didn't care too much because he uh, follows up with a plancha to the outside onto Benoit. And we get like an ample amount of German suplexes. I mean, Benoit hits Eddie with like, what, seven or eight? <laughs> it felt yeah. like. Yeah. Eddie, uh, Eddie even comes back with three of his own, followed by a suplex. I think this is before he was doing the three amigos. So this might have been like it, it, his. Apparently it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like planting seeds for him to start using that. But uh, hits a frog splash for a two count, which felt weird. I think they're really 
trying to get this lasso from El Paso over, which, uh, yeah. what'd you think of that? Eddie, he threw in this new submission. It's like a, uh, I don't know, Texas Cloverleaf, Walls of Jericho combination of sorts. What would you think of that? Yeah, it's, I think Sheamus does the same thing now sometimes for, it's not yeah. a finisher for him, but he does it. But um, I, I mean, you can't beat the frog splash. It's such a thing of beauty. I will say, I love, love, love what Eddie did on that frog splash. So he took a moment to sell his stomach and the pain that mm-hmm. he was in from hitting that. And it gave at least a plausible excuse as to why Benoit would have kicked out on that one. Uh, and again, just that's these little tiny things that we're missing today that would just work so much better for these guys. Um, but yeah, that was fantastic. Um, the, the, yeah, the finisher, I rather the frog splash. I mean, I'm not a, unless like, uh, it works for like Benoit to have a, a tap out finisher because he's so intense and that, and that move just looks so vicious or, you know, Brett doing mm-hmm. his sharpshooter, it just makes sense or flair, but Eddie is a high flyer that it, it should be that frog splash as his finisher. And it, it, that just, that move just wasn't believable. I, I, I was trying to think, was there a story going into this where maybe he was trying to keep up with Benoit on the, on the submission moves and that's why he introduced it. But I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I mean, he kind of started using it amongst like the SmackDown six, like when everybody was fighting everybody. So I don't know if it was specifically Benoit related. I will say though, and I'm just kind of thinking of this right now, Maybe it's because of Rob Van Dam, how he has the five-star frog splash. Maybe Eddie's oh, like, yeah. oh, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. I want to have my own unique thing. Um, yeah. But he would eventually go back to the frog splash. I don't think he used this lasso for too long. Well, he was the bigger star by, by the time he got back to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so Benoit, Eddie, they scuffle on the outside for a little bit. Eddie gets back in the ring after he knocks Benoit down on the outside. Eddie distracts the ref. And then comes Chavo Guerrero with uh, the tag team championship belt, which, by the way, the Guerreros are the WWE tag team champions at this point. So Chavo has the belt, smashes Benoit in the head with it. Eddie pulls him in. One, two, kick out. So uh, Benoit kicks out. Benoit starts to fight back. Power bombs Eddie, which, by the way, a power bomb has never looked better than when Benoit does it to Eddie Guerrero. For whatever reason, the, the yeah. way they work together with that it always just looks it's like there's like a whiplash effect that you don't see any between any other combo of people like even back to their days with japan yeah literally in the 95 match where we just watched the, is the exact same thing even like we commented on how the announcers sold it because i think they were taken aback by the viciousness of it because they all just were like oh like <laughs> like when he hit it it just he would snap it and then eddie would just attack the mat when he's going right. down it just looked insane uh, speaking of that, that old Chavo outside, which by the way, Chavo looked jacked here. I don't remember Chavo looking this good as far as physically, but um, and he and he was great as far as the selling on stuff. But I was thinking mm. to myself, do we have Brian Hebner to blame for Aubrey Edwards today? Because what was up with Hebner and just grabbing hold of Eddie and dragging him back in the ring and getting physical in his face? Like I remember not being a fan of Hebner all along, anyways, because of mm. his. Uh, his stuff that he would do during a match to get a little bit of attention. But this was kind of over the top the way, like he literally pulls Eddie in. I, I thought he was going to do a German suplex on him. <laughs> Maybe he's, uh, I don't know. Doesn't like Mexicans or something. Could be, could be. That damn Let's Brian start Hebner. <laughs> Brian Hebner is, a, is there a word for that? Just anti, uh, like, like anti-Semitic, but with Mexicans, anti uh, Anti-Hispanic or something, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Spread the word. Fightful. Take this 
Take the sound bite, spread it across the, the Twitters. You heard um, it here first. By the way, I didn't catch any, but I'm just going to ask you because there always is. There's always when Eddie Guerrero's, like when he comes out, there's always somebody with an Eddie Guerrero mows my lawn sign. I didn't catch any there on this was. show, but maybe, I don't yes, know if you did. There yeah. was, of course. Why wouldn't there be? There was, yeah. Because he's Hispanic, you know. They, they love to do that. Yeah. They love to mow lawns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of Mohan Lawns, <laughs> uh, Benoit, he uh, gets in there, hits a headbutt onto Eddie from the top rope. But uh, Eddie counters. Benoit is like crawling over to get to the pin. Eddie smoothly counters into the lasso from El Paso. Benoit counters that into the cross face. Eddie fights. He tries to get to the ropes. Can't. Tries to roll through. But Benoit maintains hold. And uh, Eddie has to tap. So uh, Chris Benoit wins. And then he would go on to face Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble, which is one of my personal favorite matches of all time. And they're really kind of throwing the rocket on the Benoit at this point. So this is kind of, I guess, in hindsight, a number one contenders match of sorts. But uh, yeah, awesome stuff, I thought. Fantastic match. Absolutely fantastic match. Probably one of my favorite wrestling memories. And this goes back a long time was watching the rise of Chris Benoit into main event status because the hmm. he was the original Daniel Bryan like he he was the fans willed him into that main event status in the WWE um the I, I do know like watching the flying headbutt now uh knowing what it caused and what what eventually would happen hmm. that's kind of tough to watch that was one where I was a bit uncomfortable um uh, and of course, you know, in later matches when you see the chair shots and things like that. But, but yeah, that match was just so good, and um, the, I, st- I it brought me back to being a Benoit fan and remembering this is pretty much where the Rocket, you're right, is starting to be strapped onto him. You just couldn't deny him because he was just so physical and so over with the fans. And same thing for Eddie. Eddie was starting to become uh, mm-hmm. in the same league as well. Yeah, this is definitely an era where fans are thirsty for like work rate type of stuff yep. because I cover Ring of Honor in this era as well. And like that's really like what lifted that company up so much is like how they got so much steam behind them is because you were seeing wrestling and not all the like the segment we're about to talk about, like that kind of stuff. Um, yep. And Benoit and Eddie represent that represent that uh, perfectly. And yeah, like you said, eventually Benoit would uh, we're still like a year away from him, his real push. Same with Eddie. But um, we're getting there. We're getting there. You could feel it, though. You could feel it happening. Yeah. And commentary is really putting it over too. like Benoit. They're like yeah. really putting over how Benoit like his dream is to be the world champion. And really, because he, he had been a he was a heel not that long ago. But now he's definitely yeah. switching. But uh, but we go backstage to uh, Stephanie McMahon's office. Paul Heyman's in there because, as you remember, he went to go talk to Stephanie to, uh, I guess, get Brock resuspended or whatever. Uh, Paul Heyman's like, hey, Steph, look, you got to protect the sanctity of the WWE championship. You can't let Brock Lesnar go out there and, and ruin it. Uh, that would just that would just ruin the, the prestige of it. And then Stephanie's like, hey, literally, didn't you literally just uh, interfere in a match to give Big Show the title? And Paul's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, so that's <laughs> that ends that. But uh, after that, Stephanie was so young there. Oh, Stephanie, this was a uh, this was a good era for Stephanie McMahon. Loved her she work was only 26 years old there. It's just crazy how young she was and how 
composed wow, yeah. and good she was at that point. Maybe she should have been uh, with Don Marie and Tori Wilson, huh? Oh, oh my God, how'd they how'd they get that stuff on the air back then? I just couldn't. Believe, I felt <laughs> un, I felt uncomfortable watching it because I know my wife is home, and I'm like, my God, if she walks down and sees this, I'm like, oh, this is like how you know when your spouse. <laughs> That's a <laughs> Your spouse, whenever she walks into wrestling, it's always a women's match. It's like Dana Brooke against, uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Tits McGee. But yeah, it's it's always that's the match that they're walking like, okay. oh, yeah, that's why you watch wrestling. <laughs> I'm watching my sports tier go away. <laughs> it's do you think, OK, what lasted longer? Don Marie and Tori Wilson kissing or uh, the Dudleys run in the tag team match earlier? Oh, by far, Don Marie and Tori kissing. I think it was longer. I think it lasted longer than Batista Kane, to be quite honest. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Can't and really how good an that. actor was Al Wilson, by the way? There we go. There we go. I don't know if you heard that or not, but... I did. Um, you're welcome. So we got uh, Tori Wilson and Don, and Don Marie. Well, actually, it's just Don Marie. So I don't know if you're familiar with the storyline or how familiar Unfortunately, you are you I am, it. yes. Unfortunately, I remember right. this vividly, yeah. Well, Don and uh, Al Wilson, of course, the father of Tori Wilson, are uh, engaged at this point. Tori does not approve of this. Don's like, well, I'll break off the engagement if you fuck me. <laughs> so... I swear, honey, I'm doing research. I'm doing research <laughs> for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and so Don's like, hey, Tori, here's my room to my hotel. This is like on SmackDown a few weeks ago or whatever. Don's like, hey, come to my hotel later. And Tori's like, I don't want to because I'm not a lesbian. But I also love my father. All right, I guess I'll come and give you a quick sizz. Uh, so Don's in there. <laughs> By the way, Tori walks into the room and Don just is the, the lamp is just like on her face. Just can't fire. Scary. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> Menacing is like, is she gonna have sex with her? I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, yeah. So, th- so what's happening in Armageddon is Don Marie and Al Wilson come out, and Don's like, "Look, I'm gonna show everybody what happened in that hotel room." And then Don's like, "All right, roll the footage," and then you get the most softcore porn. Just, oh man, they took their time. They they sold. <laughs> They registered. It was just, whew, they got, I mean, I don't know if I'm just desensitized with today and just have <laughs> gaping assholes in, in, in front of your face in two seconds if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> but man, this, the um, here, here, Tori, eat a strawberry and puts a strawberry in her face. She doesn't want to eat it. Tori's my favorite comment, my favorite, favorite comment by Don Marie was uh, afterwards, she's like, you smell like strawberries. Of course she does. You just fed her a strawberry. Yeah, you got a big bowl of strawberries over there, you dumb fuck guy. Whatever. Um, keep in mind, keep in mind, yeah. Tori Wilson's real-life father is watching this in the rain. <laughs> Al Wilson was disgusted. He was not having this. That wasn't acting. He just he didn't like what this what was happening here. So, yeah, so Tori and... Or Don, I guess, takes off Tori's. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing commentary on this. Tori, <laughs> <Yeah>. Don takes. <laughs> I'm, I'm breaking this down more than Ben Juan Eddie. She she uh, disrobes her. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, first yeah. it's it's the jacket, and then it's the skirt. Um. 
And then Dawn's like, and then they begin to kiss a little bit. And then Dawn's like, hey, freeze the footage. And then the crowd boos. Uh, Al's like, hey, I think we've seen enough. That's my daughter, damn it. And then Dawn's like, you are a bit we'll too, you're more. a bit too expressive with that imitation. He tried a <laughs> bit more stilted. <laughs> yeah. How, how did he deliver it? I forget. Oh, it's like, that's my daughter. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, and Dawn's like, all right, I'll play some more of this, I guess, against Al, against my fiance's wishes. Uh, so they play some more, they kiss some more, and then Al's like, hey, stop it, stop it. I'm sorry, he's like, hey, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, for a long time. And then they finally stop it, and the crowd starts chanting asshole at Al Wilson. And then Don Marie's like, you know, he's not an asshole. It's a funny line. <laughs> and uh, Don's like, yeah, I've proven now that Tori is a sexual predator. And then the, the segment's over. It's like, OK, that was a lot of time for, for that. But uh, yeah. How many stars? Lawler, Lawler had the, the line of the night, though. He said something about he wanted to go backstage to see the rest, but he couldn't stand up at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's hilarious. Man, if there's one segment you need Lawler for, it's this one. But it was uh, Taz and Cole, unfortunately. Hot tomato, or whatever Taz said. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's, that's your hot lesbian action for the night, I guess. Yeah, more to come. More to come. I've already come a lot. But Kane versus Batista also came in this match. They came to the ring and wrestled a match. Mm-hmm. And uh, Batista, his uh, pay-per-view debut, mm-hmm. he's newly aligned with Ric Flair, but the evolution is not a thing. So Ric Flair is just kind of the one variable that's the same here. I guess Flair and or, uh, Batista and Triple H haven't linked up yet. And Randy Orton, I think, is still injured, although I think he's about to come back. So I think Evolution literally comes, it was January. comes together. It was, it yeah. was the following month, yeah. Right. So it's a matter of weeks, it, it'll be a thing. But uh, kind of Batista's first big match here. And uh, I don't know. I mean, look, Batista, he's super green here. I'm not, and it's against Kane. Like, I'm not expecting a five-star classic. Two big men slapping meat, I suppose. But there's another situation where it's like, Flair's out there with Batista. It's felt like a handicap match. (laughs) Like, Flair's like this gnat that's constantly, like, distracting the ref when Kane has control. And it kind of leads to the finish, too. But all in all, I mean, Batista got his moves in. But again, I feel like he just, again, we're just making these big, Jacked up guys feel like just regular heels. Yeah. Yeah. My comments on this were to steal a line from Steve Austin. Batista looked green as goose shit at this point. (laughs) Um, But he looked like a freaking beast. I got to give him that. He looked like a star. Um, Typical Haas fight. traps were crazy. Boulder shoulders on him. And then... um, (laughs) like I, I said, Flair was a bumping fool during this match. Like he was a, like a <laughs> like a super bouncy ball or something like that. But he he helped the match out. I couldn't. I forgot how in great shape Kane was at this point too. Kane was a freaking beast at at this point. Yeah. And um, you know, it looked like a botch on that first Batista bomb attempt. It was really awkward. But yeah, I didn't know what was. Was it supposed to be Kane fighting out? Because it looked like Batista got him I up. I think so. But then he just let he him down. Did. Yeah. Yeah, he just let him down slowly, which I think there was supposed to be maybe some different or maybe he was supposed to flip him. But 
Uh, or maybe Dave forgot, oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to end it here. <laughs> Flair's got to do about 18 more bumps for me before this happens. Um, mm-hmm. But the actual Batista bomb he put on Kane was really impressive looking. That was his best move in the match, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like especially with hindsight, like Batista did his spine buster and his spears and all that, but it was just like a little shittier than what it would end up being. Yeah, but um, again, like it's well, his first pay per view match, it's you expect it. That spear was intense. Like he he charged Gain at full speed and he hit him pretty good. It was yeah. not not worked as well. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> it was uh, all all substance, no sizzle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Kane, yeah, like you said, Batista goes for the Batista bomb. Kane, I guess, fights out of it. Hits a low blow on Batista. Uh, hits a clothesline from the top rope and then like charges Batista, but gets hit with a spine buster. And then, uh, but Kane fights back and then goes for the choke slam. Ric Flair on the apron distracts the ref. Batista is able to capitalize with the Batista bomb hits it beautifully. Like you said, and, uh, Batista gets the win here. So Batista gets a big win, even though it was last shenanigans afoot here, a big win over Kane, who was pretty, uh, you know, red hot. He was on fire at this point, um, <laughs> even though, you know, we're not too far away from him uh, killing and having sex and mutilating a dead corpse. But we, we, we don't talk about that anymore. That that was yesterday's tomatoes. Um, but yeah, Batista gets I see nothing here. but good things for Kane ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. Couldn't be worse. Couldn't be worse. Couldn't be worse. No. Who do, you, who do you think came out of the show looking better, Batista or A-Train? Ooh. Well, uh, honestly, in my opinion, A-Train looked like a better wrestler, but I think Batista mm-hmm. looked better because he's with Flair. So he's got that rub from Flair. It's it's amazing what Flair can do for you. Yeah. Well, hey, A-Train has the rub from uh, Big Show. Kind of. <laughs> Again. That's a thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... We got John Cena coming out here, which uh, you hear that and you're like, wow, must be a big moment. 2002, December. It's kind of like, why is he why, why is he here? Why do we need this? Uh, he's rapping. Cena is. And he's pretty. This is pretty newly his gimmick here. Maybe a, a month or two. He's been doing this. Uh, we got B squared out there. B-squared, bling bling yes. Buchanan, which does B squared stand for bling bling or bling Buchanan? I always question. thought it was Bull Buchanan. That's why that's why they went with B Square. But then I heard Bling Bling, and I'm like, oh wait, I don't remember right. this part. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't think they ever actually said his name, but like you, I always thought it was Bull Buchanan. But uh, it's canon in my head that it's Bling Bling is what the B Squared stands for. Um, but yeah, Cena's rapping. I think this might be the first time he's done an actual rap. I can't remember if he ever did one on a SmackDown or maybe like a Velocity or some shit. Um, but yeah, what were your, what are your thoughts on his bars here? Was it was it hot fire <laughs> after a cane match? Ironically enough, but uh, <laughs> I, I would I would say his bars were a little weak at this point. Well, oh. the idea behind the the rhymes was okay, but his delivery was a little weak. I don't think he was totally comfortable. But forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I think he first did this on the Halloween episodes of SmackDown. So literally, this is the Genesis yep. of the Dr. Thugonomics, correct? Yes. Yeah. And that was a backstage segment and all that. I, th- yeah. I think this is his first time coming out and actually doing it yeah. live, though. Yeah. Um, so 
that's uh that's pretty cool to see that and to see where he's of course turned into but uh yeah as far as his rapping uh i'll give him a five out of ten maybe on that but uh mm. of course he would later um get much better at that part of the uh, gimmick it's tough to do it acapella i feel yes. like because you have you have max yeah. caster coming out here with the beat and all that stuff we like oh oh and all that but seeing is just like just an arena it's <laughs> just uh yeah maybe maybe b squared need to do a little beatboxing for him or something i don't know man have you ever heard bulb you can and talk <laughs> no there's a, there's a reason this guy never got the mic <laughs> he was like one of those guys that's like he looks tough until you hear him speak it's like dan severin like dan like dan set or dan severin whatever his name is like he, he like looked like a badass he had a mustache yeah. but he's like mm-hmm. Listen here, buddy. I'm going to kick your ass or whatever. <laughs> I don't think he sounded like that, but it was close. It was close. Uh, maybe uh, that's more of a Jacqueline, actually. But speaking of which, we got a uh, <laughs> women's world title match here. Triple threat match. We got the champion, Victoria versus Jacqueline versus Trish Stratus. So uh, women's division, 2002. You kind of know what you're expecting here. Uh, not a bad match. I mean, it was kind of chaotic, but I think that's kind of the nature of a triple threat match. It definitely felt like it was rushed. Victoria mm-hmm. even like ran to the ring in her entrance. So it's almost like, oh, we only have this amount of time. I better just skip the skip the hubbub of my entrance and just get in there and start working. So um, a lot of action here. A little rough at some points, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about it? Uh, I totally agree. I remember I when this is Victoria just uh, debuted not that long ago. And I remember being like a a huge Victoria fan. I thought she was pretty awesome Mm -hmm. at the time, being a young man at that point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but I did find, um, yeah, it felt rushed. Like, I think I looked at it it was four and a half minutes and it felt like they're in warp speed. They're like they're trying to get a 10 minute match into four and a half minutes. So everything was chaotic. It was really strange and the other thing I, I i thought it was a little bit sloppy to be honest with you and i look at it looking back at it now and thinking to myself these are three of the top women wrestlers of that era and if they were in the ring against say like the four horsewomen of today it wouldn't be it would be a joke compared to that i mean it mm. just goes to show how good the women's wrestlers are today and how much that 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 they've evolved over the years. I mean, not that these these ladies were bad, but right. they just weren't given time to to really work a match in the ring. Yeah, when they were given time, like this era, like the women in this era are way more talented than I think a lot of people remember because it is very much the. De- I mean, we just saw the lesbian shit earlier. Like, there's still yeah. a lot of that. But Trish, I mean, Trish always worked her ass off. So did Jacqueline. Victoria was Molly super Holly was good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So there was a lot of jazz is somewhere. I think she's injured at this point, but yeah, um, they need time is what they need in, in these matches. But I, I was, I was watching. It's almost like they had happy feet. If you know what I mean? Like they're trying to, they're so uh, quick to try to get to move. You can see their feet kind of pattering. Cause like, they're just, they, they, they know what they're thinking. What do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? That type of thing. But it's all because they got no time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they they got like a video package before the match. So it's like they're given like spotlight to the women's division here, which is like even like little things like that. It's like we weren't getting that a year ago uh, to Victoria. Like her character is pretty solidified here. It's just like an unhinged witch of sorts. She uh, 
like talking to the mirror and smashing it like that kind of person. And then her and Trish, I guess the story was that they were friends at some point. They trained together and that but WWE wanted Trish because she was the prettier one in their eyes and Victoria's jealous and she's vengeful because of that. So there's all this whole backstory and then Jacqueline comes into play. I guess Victoria or Raw or something was like going through here, her gear in the locker room, Jacqueline's gear. And then Jacqueline's like, hey, we you some psycho bitch or something. And then uh, that's that. And then I guess Jacqueline beat Victoria in some sort of match on Raw. So that's how we got this. But um, this match here, you gets the finish and how it seems like they like blew uh, like the, you could like they, there was like a planned finish and then they had to like redo it. Yeah, the, it, I don't know if you noticed, but it was like they were on the wrong side of the ring because Victoria mm-hmm. goes, oh, J- I think Jackie pushes her off the top rope. She should have been out of the match completely, but all of a sudden she pops up immediately and you see her running around the ring to get to the other side. Meanwhile, the pinfall is going on in the spot where she got knocked down and it's, it, it seemed like it was discombobulated. And then they go over to the other side where she pulls the, the belt move and it was just, yeah, mm-hmm. right in front of the referee, by the way. I should mention. <laughs> well, it's a triple threat match, so there's no DQ, right? Oh, or yeah, that, yeah. Are we, are we there yet? Are we there with I that don't know. thing? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, cause like I think Trish hits Jacqueline with a chick kick, um, and it like kind of towards the corner of the ring, Yeah. but Victoria like doesn't have the belt yet. And the belt's like in the oh. opposite corner. So they have to like do a whole thing where Trish picks up Jacqueline, throws her in that corner, gives her a clothesline, pins her. And then Jacqueline or, uh, Victoria with the championship belt from the outside clocks Trish in the head with it and then gets in and pins her. So Victoria retains here. And uh, yeah, the debut of Tattoo, by the way, which it's not on Peacock, which uh, makes me really upset. But uh, they had the dubbed up dubbed version, which is kind of similar. So a little little nugget of information for you. Was Victoria with Stephen Richards at this point? Yes. Yes, they did. uh, (laughs) I forget how that came to be. I don't think there was really a lot of story to it. I think Victoria was just solemn. He's like, oh, you're kind of crazy like me. And then she started licking his face. I think that's <laughs> what you were telling me. That's how you and, 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 your, and, your, and your spouse got together, right? It, it was exactly like that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, art imitating life, really. It really is. It really is. Um, but no face looking in this, fit, in this next match here, I don't think. <laughs> it's not the Bushwhackers. <laughs> Might as well have been. We got the, the, the big show. The WWE champion defending against Kurt Angle. And uh, man, none of this story is about Big Show versus Kurt Angle. <laughs> it is all <laughs> about Brock Lesnar. Will he be in Kurt Angle's corner? But he doesn't come out with Kurt Angle. So they're like, oh, I guess he's not. But oh, would they, would they, they would have an egg on their face later on the road. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the match itself, though, I, I feel like, I mean... I don't know. What are your thoughts on Big Show in this era? Like Big Show and jeans. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. It's one of the first things I wrote down was I am not a fan of this look for Big Show. The, the, what are they <laughs> called? Like the Junko jeans or something like that at that time. But uh, I think that's the only not jeans a that would fit look. <laughs> Not a good look. Uh, the Fu Manchu with the, uh, with the flat top, not a good look either. <laughs> um, All right. I will say this, though. Um, compared to what Big Show was booked like in his later years of WWE. 
I was amazed to see a, a how much of a monster the, the monster they put him over as at this point because he yeah. was dominating Kurt for a little while there. I mean, even in this era, like I don't know, four or five months ago, Big Show was a jobber. Like he was losing everybody, um, yeah. and then now he links up with Paul Heyman and uh, is champion, but not for long. And I think this might have been his last world title reign, if I remember correctly. Unless you count his ECW uh, one. Unless it's ECW, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, I'm sorry. He did have one more world title reign. Uh, against like Mark Henry or something. This is like when Daniel Bryan was in the picture and he like cashed in on him. Uh, but even then, I think I don't think he was champion for long then either. But um, yeah. Were you a Big Show fan? I feel I feel like they they just did him dirty. I feel like yeah. he just flip flopped too much. Like that's it's that's the meme now, but it's true. Like you can never yeah. they never gave you enough time to hate him or enough time to love him. Mm-hmm. So he was always in this middle. And the comedy stuff, which is fine every now and then, but it's like this guy's you gotta commit to him being a monster. Like he's this giant, like make him be a giant. And they had yes. little spurts where they did that effectively, which you can consider that one of these times, but they just never really committed to it, I guess. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, like I just I I enjoyed him as the giant more in WCW than I did as the big show in WWE. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they booked him better in that, although that got kind of silly at the end. But like I found like even from the get go with Big Show, uh, like within his first month, he does that that spot with McMahon where he throws um, was it Austin through the cage, and instead of playing it off mm-hmm. as like oh my god this guy's a beast, he just tossed a man through the cage. Although it did cost McMahon the match in that I think it was St. Valentine's Day Massacre or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have instead of playing it up like he's just such a beast that he's able to do that. Instead, they played it up like, what an idiot. He throws him through the cage and costs the match, right? It's like, okay, well, there you go. You just completely nut, you know, chop the nuts off your uh, your monster when they could have spent a whole year building this guy up to be just an absolute beast and then then go with whatever you want to do with him. So I felt like right from the get-go, you didn't have a chance, and then you started having heel turn, face turn, heel turn. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally blanked on... I forgot about all the imitations he was doing and stuff like that, like where he was imitating Val Venus yeah. and all these people. And like, oh, my God, that was that was they just they just yeah, they just deballed him for so long. WWE, man, they they couldn't help themselves. You have this big, scary monster. We were just fucking talking yeah. about a uh, sweet tea. <laughs> they did the same yeah. thing with him. Great Kali. Oh, let's make him dance like a, a silly Indian. Let's uh, Kane. Let's make him do a spin rooney and. All yep. that stuff. So they can't help themselves. And Big Show wasn't immune to that, I guess. The same company think, that booked Andre the Giant for years does this to all their monsters now, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, big with Big Show, I think his ECW title run probably was like the closest to like his true potential, in my opinion. Um, like with Paul Heyman, funny enough. So yep. I guess that that's his, uh, his good luck charm. Oh, Polly mm-hmm. boy here. Not a lot to this match. I mean, Big Show, like you said, he looks pretty dominant here, doing all his big man stuff. Get some uh, bear hugs, shoulder blocks. He breaks out the final cut, which is the uh, Eye of the Hurricane, as some people might know it. Uh, the crowd starts chanting USA at some point, which uh, I guess the giant, is he from Parts Unknown? <laughs> I know he was the, at some point, right? The land of the Yeti. Right. <laughs> the, the dungeon. What, what did the WCW dungeon, bill him as? 
Might have just been the dungeon from the Dungeon of Doom. Wherever, wherever he goddamn well pleases. Right. <laughs> uh, Kurt Angle hits like a springboard moonsault on a big show, a standing big show. Kind of like hit his boot, just clips him in the head, and Kurt lands pretty bad on his neck, which is uh, not a good omen for the rest of his career. Uh, Angle is able to hit Big Show with an Angle Slam, which is pretty impressive. It only gets a two count. The ref goes down at some point, and uh, you get multiple chair shots from Kurt Angle. I think he even hits him a few times in the head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then after that, because Kurt tries to pin him after that, but Show just throws him off. Slaps on the Angle Lock, but Show taps out right away, but there's no ref. Choo choo, the A train's here. <laughs> and uh, I need to get a sound effect on my soundboard. The A train is here. Hits him, hits Kurt Angle with like a, a rack backbreaker of sorts. And that then, was vicious uh, looking, a- by the way. <laughs> dude, A train, I'm telling you, man, this dude has some pretty good moves in his arsenal. Um, but then, yeah, Adrian kind of, A train just kind of skedaddles after that. And then, uh, so both guys are down, the ref's down. Who comes in? None other than Brock Lesnar comes in F five to big show leaves. Kurt angle makes the pin. Kurt angle is your new WWE champion. So again, like Brock was the whole story here, even in like the video package, it was all like focused on Brock and, uh, is really just like a big pre-show to the real show, which was Brock Lesnar coming in and doing his deal. There's even like a, we want Brock chant from the crowd. So it was all about Brock. But uh, new champ here. So that's fun, right? Yeah, I, I commented. This is peak Kurt Angle here. Like the wrestling machine, still relatively oh, yeah. healthy. Look, his body looks good, all that stuff. It's just, I forgot just how effing good Kurt Angle was. Like, I mean, I it's hard to do that. But I mean, he was so fast, so quick, and so strong. Like that angle slam on Big Show was really impressive looking. And I don't care how many times you watch Brock Lesnar toss somebody around to see him do an F5 on Big Show is always amazing to watch. Yeah, he's just and he's so young here, too. He just looks like a baby at this point. He's 23, maybe near. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, which is just you're a child, an absolute child. It was funny when him and Kurt were backstage for that segment where they were talking about him coming into his corner and they're standing mm. face to each other and Brock's basically got his arms folded and his effing bicep is just <laughs> eclipsing Kurt's head in the in the size. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, my God, like it, it's scary to think of how strong you must be. And it's all country boy stuff too. It's not like he's out, you know, racking weights mm. all the time. It's a guy that's picking up bales of hay or cows and putting them on his shoulder and just tossing them and stuff it's just crazy dude like even like seeing pictures of him in like high school and college like i couldn't imagine being on like on a wrestling team and seeing that <laughs> big motherfucker across from me i'll just you got it buddy there's all you i'll take the l here i saw on twitter it was a, a highlight of shelton benjamin wrestling for uh minnesota as mm. well when he uh when he won the championship and i'm thinking could you imagine that's your team. It's Brock and, and uh, Shelton on the same team. You're, you're the Dude. opposing wrestling team. It's like, um, come on, guys. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to switch to lacrosse here, folks. All right. <laughs> Brock would probably dominate that, too, if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, 
But yeah, Shelton, we hope we get Shelton here and uh, it could be the very next week. I don't remember exactly when he comes around, but uh, it's pretty soon. It's before the Royal Rumble. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, that's actually the match. I think where Kurt uh, initially hurts his neck. Well, I, he hurt it in the Olympics, but he like hurts it again. Uh, at no way out. I think there's like some sort of handicap right. match or something with Tim Angle. And then it's unfortunately kind of all downhill from there. I mean, he would have a long career, but yeah, but uh, after that, well, first of all, we got to give a shout out to RVD who's in uh, the world, a.k.a. WWE New York. Dude, bro, RVD, do all my th- I, I'm watching this and I'm like, man, this is just like RVD kind of had his run when he first got the WWE. And now he's just the, the mid card guy. I feel like from here yeah. on out. How do you think the food tasted at the world? I haven't heard good things. I. I <laughs> Well, no. So I've heard that the WCW, whatever their thing was, I've heard that food was awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't I can't imagine the world's food was was good. Have you ever been there? No, I have not. But I picture it being like a, a poor man's um, Boston pizza or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if they had the the punny food names there. I know WCW yeah. did. It's like if you just like Google the WCW menu, it's like the whole Kogi's yeah. and yeah. Kevin Nashville chicken tenders and stupid. I, I'm sure that for the world had something similar. I tell you what we want to have. We we want to try pasta mania after watching that 95 Hogan run. <laughs> oh, what was that again? Remind me. That was Hogan's Hogan's little franchise that he had in the Mall of America. Pasta mania. That's why the whole reason that they had the first show in in the mall of America. So they could advertise that. But, uh, that was when he apparently turned down the deal for the George Foreman grill and gave it to old George. And he ended up with pasta mania, man. Can you imagine it being the Hulk Hogan grill instead? I know. I know how things would change, how, how life would change if that were, were the case. Well, Hey, at least we got woo wings. Have you heard of that? Oh man. <laughs> yes, I have heard of that. Yeah. God damn, Rick. Enough. Enough. You got your money. <laughs> Enough with the yeah, best wings. Woo! Shut the fuck up, Richard. Um, speaking of which, man, does Rick Flair, <laughs> for some reason, even as a manager, getting color in this match. We got a uh, the, the main event here. It's for the world heavyweight title. Three stages of hell. We got the champion, Shawn Michaels. Versus Triple H. So uh, stage one is a street fight. Stage two is a cage. Stage three, if necessary, is a ladder match. It will be necessary. It always uh, is. It always is. What are your thoughts on this type of match? I feel like, what was the, what was the last one we saw? Was it uh, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano? Yeah. Yeah, something like, I think it was, yeah. There haven't been that many of them. What, what, what are your thoughts mm. on this concept of a match? I mean, it's it's wrestling, so it's obvious it's going to go through all three of them. I'd love them to just sometime just do two straight and be like, what the what the fuck happened yeah. there? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, yeah, I can see why they do it. I mean, it, this obviously dominated the majority of the pay-per-view. And uh, full disclosure, I was a huge Triple H fan and loved this era of Triple H. I know a lot of people did not like him, but mm. the dude was jacked, ripped. Um, badass you know he's he's married to stephanie all that good stuff so it's uh mm, 
Yeah. I, I did enjoy this era of Triple H, and um, all I can say is I'm just so happy that Sean didn't wear the uh, maroon blood clot <laughs> pants again for this match. He actually went with the uh, with, yeah with with the other uh, regular Sean attire. But yeah, I mean the promo package for this match alone was fantastic, and I mean after that SummerSlam battle, I mean this. Uh, how could you not enjoy what was happening right now with these guys? Yeah, this feud was hot. This feud was hot. I mean, how could it not be with all like just the, the history, like the organic history of DX and all that stuff and how Triple H pretty much took the ball once yeah. Shawn Michaels went away from injury. Like this is all real stuff and they're kind of yeah. using that as the foundation here. And yeah, like you said, they had the SummerSlam match, which was awesome. Uh, yes. Really, I watched that recently. That was an incredible match. It was. And uh, Shawn came out the winner of that but triple h attacked after the match put uh put sean in a hospital and didn't see him for a few months after that until survivor series where sean went into the elimination chamber and beat triple h for the world title and uh so now we have this the rematch the uh i was gonna say rubber match but i mean they would continue to fight each other for like two more years um but really good stuff here and uh, right off the right off the uh, right off the bat, Ric Flair's kicked out. Which uh, you're talking about him being a bouncy ball earlier, man. The <laughs> the comical, just him flopping around, just pissed off, holding onto the ropes, slipping on a banana peel. He's he's the best. He's the yet best. another yet another Hebner being a tough guy with the push down of Flair too. <laughs> it was Earl this time instead of uh, instead of Brian. Are you still mad about Montreal? Uh slightly. Like, is that is that always where this all stems from, isn't it? No, I, I can, I, you I know what? I could never stand. I don't know why. I just didn't like the headers. I, I think I don't want to see my referees in the match until I actually have to see them. And that's uh, you know, forget Aubrey and all that stuff. I, I give or take that. But even back then, like the headers used to drive drive me crazy. Especially I found Brian was just over the top with it. I'm sure that he's a great guy. I know he's got his own podcast and stuff no, like that. So, he hates Mexicans, remember? <laughs> That's oh yeah, that's right. He was down the border with JBL to get rid of the Mexicans. So <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, it's um, I don't know what it is. They just drive it drives me crazy when it when it feels like the referee is too much of the show. And and mm. Earl with his he would always kick the guy's hand off the ropes instead of just counting the guy off the ropes and things like that. It's like come on, dude. Yeah. Like where's Jimmy Corderas when you need him? A good Canadian boy that's just gonna blend okay. into the scenery. I think there's a good amount of bias here, but I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, <laughs> we got uh, so we got a street fight here to kick us off, which I would say is probably the uh, the majority of this overall match here. It really sets it yeah. up. Um, got trash cans get involved with the plunder gets brought out pretty much immediately. Um, Sean sets up a table on the outside, goes to suplex Triple H through it, but he counters. Then Triple H sets up a second table and then tries to superplex Sean off the apron and Sean counters. So it leads to the finish. But I like how they did it semi organically in a way it made sense instead of just taking like five minutes to like manipulate furniture like you see a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're pros, I guess they're pros. And then uh, Triple H sets up a chair in the ring goes to give Sean a backbreaker onto the chair because, of course, Sean's still fresh off of his uh, back injury. So that's the target, at least in the beginning here. But then Triple H then again begins to attack the legs. 
and uh, locks into figure four. So uh, some pretty brutal stuff here in the ring, but then eventually they make their way to the stage, which uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but it's like on fire the whole show. <laughs> like there's like the flames a little much. Like we, we both <laughs> like the unique stage setup. I don't think we need fire, but uh, fine. It's fine, I guess. And then um, Triple H, they, they fight. They're like by like the where you come out. Triple H has Sean down and then uh, Hunter goes to the back and pulls out a barbed wire board or a two by four wrapped in barbed wire goes to hit Sean with it, but decides not to. And he's like, you know what? I think we could. I think we could actually set this thing on fire and that would do a great deal more damage. So uh, he goes over to the flaming set, sets it on fire. The barbed wire board goes to hit Sean with it, but Sean kicks him in the gut, takes that board, hits, hits Triple H right in the face with it. I feel like it was kind of glossed over. I feel like that. I feel like that's that's a match ender kind of thing. Yeah, a yeah. flaming barbed wire piece of wood. I guess it busted him open. Maybe I don't know. I feel like maybe a scar, maybe a uh, maybe Triple H is just on fire the rest of the match or something. I don't know. There's just ideas. <laughs> That'd be unique. <laughs> it would be. It would be. Um, but uh, so they fight back to the ring. Eventually, uh, trash can lids. We we're talking about earlier. Just back and forth. Just loud as shit. Uh, Triple H does the classic Raven spot where he sets up a chair and Drop toe holds Shawn Michaels into it. Goes to pedigree Sean, but Sean fights out with a low blow. And uh, Sean starts to fight back. It's like a Luthez press. But Triple H eventually lands the pedigree and gets the one, two, three. So he's up one zero here and uh, on the stage two. But as far as stage one here, what do you think about it? Okay, so one, you did a phenomenal job reviewing that match because you pretty much oh, covered you. every good high spot that was going on there. But I gotta Sorry, say, I took them off from you. No, that no, that's that's great because I just made some Cole's notes in this. But um, what you can't go wrong with Triple H and Sean, and and, the, and what people forget, this is the blow off that we didn't get from DX. This should have happened in 1998, but Sean's back injury, mm. of course, prevented that from happening. But of course, you're gonna have. At some point, Triple H wanted to take over the group. Sean becomes the face, and they battle it out and all that stuff. So, But it was almost better that, the, that this happened later on because uh, Triple H is at the peak of his character at this point. Sean is now not basically a guilt, uh, like a dickhead at this point either. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he's willing to actually give to people. Um, as someone who's dealt with back issues in my entire life, I remember... Every time I would watch Sean at this period, knowing that he had come back from his back operation, I was always scared to death watching him wrestle that, you know, right. something would happen to his back again. It's just, and he was so good at selling that you almost believed it. I mean, just the way that he would move, like it, 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 it as someone with back problems, you know, like you get so stiff legged that you can hardly, you look like you're basically carrying something in your trunks is what you're doing. But, uh, <laughs> and he was so good at that stuff. Right. Um, that that chair that like that that toe hold on the chair was a vicious looking spot that was well done. Um, mm. and yeah, I forgot that was Raven who had that spot. Good call on that. I love Jr.'s commentary. My God, he's so good. Um, oh yeah, just just him saying like Triple H needs to be world champion. He's just really stressing how this guy is just psychotic about being the champion, and that's just it puts that much more urgency into it. 
Um, you said it, we said it before the trash can lid shots were gross. Uh, how loud it sounded like a shotgun going off when he hit mm-hmm. him with it. Um, <laughs> the flaming barbed wire two, two by four. Can we talk about how after, um, Sean kicked Triple H, how he almost set the crowd on fire <laughs> when it went <laughs> flying over to the, to the guardrail. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was, it, was, it was a little sus how it, it was just, <laughs> it fell to the ground. It's like, are we going to, are we going to do something about this? It's, it's, it's like video game mechanics. Like it was just a flaming yeah. thing on the ground. It's like, okay, I'll just pick this up. It was like lying against the guardrail, which back at that point, they had like these full guard. It wasn't like the, the iron ones and it wasn't the, the mats on them. It was just a regular um right black guardrail but anyways there's one fan leaning over trying to blow out the flame which was pretty <laughs> hilarious <laughs> and then sean just with the, the slice job on his head like that was pretty intense but yeah um but other i mean i mean it was just a fantastic battle i mean they could have just had that be the match and there you go yeah. that would have been plenty fine but uh yeah these guys just they went balls out for this match it was really good yeah, and to think they have you know two more you know matches quote unquote coming up after yep. this it's like how yep. I thought that was that was like my main takeaway of like the overall thing is that like they did a good job at like putting over how like each match took a lot out of them like they yes. didn't just like start over like all right now 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 match number two there's like oh I, I could barely stand this cage is lowering around us but yep. it's it's like a a war zone in that ring like Triple H is yep. like throwing all sorts of weapons in there while the cage is coming down. But, um, but you know what, and I know a lot of people would say, well, you know, the first match took like 30 minutes and the next two took about seven minutes each, but of course they're going to, these guys just beat the living mm-hmm. hell out of each other. And now you're in a steel cage. It's going to not going to take much more to, to, uh, beat that guy. It would have, it almost would have been believable if triple H then just went and pinned Sean once again, as soon as he was in the, the steel cage was lower because he was so beaten up from the, uh, from the last match. Yeah, I mean, Triple H and Shawn, My- I think their Hell in a Cell match was longer than this entire match, if I remember correctly. Yeah. This is only like 30 minutes or so, which sounds long, but for a three-match thing, I don't think it was, for a Triple H match, I mean, that's pretty short. Yeah, it was 30, um, 35 minutes and 25 seconds, they're saying. Okay, yeah. and that, was, I'd that say was even longer I would, than I thought. I would guess that 20 to 25 was the first match. Yeah, yeah, because the the last fall, which we'll get to, was like yeah. barely even a match. It was kind of a formality at that point. Yeah. Um, but stage number two, so Triple H is up one zero. Stage two, steel cage. So like I said, Triple H, while the cage is lowering, throws a table in the ring, some trash can lids, of course, some kitchen sinks, whatever the fuck. Um, as if the cage isn't enough, but uh, the cage finally comes down. And uh, Sean's in dire straits at this point. He's busted open. He gets like catapulted against the cage. Uh, but Sean eventually, because like Triple H is attacking the leg again and, and over and over again. Uh, Sean can barely stand, but he eventually fights back. A little Luthes press. Um, it's at this point where Triple H is like, oh shit, he's fighting back. I better escape. So he runs, which is, you know, what a heel should be doing in a steel cage match. He's like, all right, time to get out of here. So he runs, tries to climb over and escape the cage, but Sean follows him. They're both straddling the top, fighting up at the top. Ric Flair comes back out, which I guess it's no DQ. So what are they going to do about it? Uh, (laughs) Ric Flair sets up two more tables on top of the previously set up pair of tables. 
And uh, I guess well, what was the thought here that Triple H could just like jump off the cage and it would break his fall and then he would win? I think I think the thought was that they were going to put Sean through the table, but I'm sit I'm sitting there watching going if Sean goes through the table though, he wins the match cuz he hits the floor. Is is that how they're going to get the uh cuz I couldn't remember how this match ended in this steel mm-hmm. cage part. So I was like, is that how they're going to sneak a win for Sean is Triple H screws up and and he Maybe he sacrifices the win to damage him even further by him going through those tables. But uh, that wasn't what it was. But it, it was good, though, because it got you thinking. You're like, oh, is this going to be a crazy spot? And they actually didn't actually mm-hmm. use it. So it was it was well done. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, because like I said, they like built on it. Like at first, it was just going to be a suplex through one table, then a suplex off the apron through two. And yep. they're kind of constantly building it up to the yep. crescendo into the finish, which they, that, they did that really well. Um, but no one goes crashing through the table here. They get back in the ring. I think, uh, it was a triple H. Yeah. Triple H gets crotched on the top rope, trying to get back in. Sean hits the elbow from the top. And as he's tuning up the band to hit the sweet chin music, Ric Flair, I guess has a key or something. He got in the cage somehow. I don't know if you caught how it, he got in the it cage. wasn't. All it was is one of those latches that goes over. It wasn't actually <laughs> locked or anything. So he was able to just undo the latch. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Uh, no way in, no way out, unless, you know, you want to come, you want to go out. So uh, <laughs> Ric Flair gets in the ring, he grabs the chair that's in the ring, he charges at Sean, but Sean just uh, shits all over him. He grabs the chair, knocks them both out, knocks out Triple H, knocks out Flair. Then Sean just begins to assault Ric Flair, throws him into the cage. I mean, Ric Flair is in an arena with an, a steel cage. He's going to, by God, he's going to get thrown into it and he's going to bleed. He's he just bleed. can't help himself. <laughs> yeah, I think he bled more than anybody else on this show. Oh, I mean, he was when they're just... when they're helping him off from ringside, his hair is just matted with blood. It's just crazy. Yeah, every square inch of his face was red. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, oh, by the way, this this did kind of annoy me here. Sean and Flair are going at it in the corner of the ring. Sean's doing like the ten punches in the corner. All while Triple H is sitting right in front of the open door. <laughs> he could have just uh, rolled backwards and won the match, but uh, maybe he's just maybe he's just too out of it. Yeah. Right? Blood loss. Um, sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, Triple H eventually gets back up, goes for the pedigree, but Sean backdrops out of it, hits the sweet chin music, and then sets up a table. Sean puts Triple H on, on the table. And then Sean climbs to the top of the cage, splash off the cage through Triple H through the table for the one, two, three. So Sean wins number two here. So we're all knotted up. And wouldn't you know it, that that if necessary, number three, this stage three is necessary. So we got a ladder match coming up. But yeah, as far as this cage match, what would you think of it? Uh, again, it was it was very entertaining. I like that. Like I said, I like that hope spot with the with the whole uh, table situation and them coming off the top of the cage. Um, was Flair the MVP of the night, or is it just me? Because that guy, <laughs> he bumped his ass off. He bumped his ass off. He was moving around. He he bled. He he sacrificed everything. He was entertaining as hell in this match. I, one thing I did like, and you don't see this anymore in cage matches, is the whole rubbing of the head, doing the cheese grater move with the head. Um, they did it. Uh, mm-hmm. Triple H did it to Sean, and then Sean did it to Nate because Nate has got to bleed. You know that's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was uh, entertaining, and like I said, it wasn't super long, which totally expected after they just 
nearly killed each other in that other match. So mm-hmm. it was good. Do, do you think cage matches need blood to be effective? Yes. Yeah, they do. I, I would agree. They yeah. do. And also, in I mean, I, I'm i a born and raised WWF guy, but I hate the whole escape the cage concept. I love the idea of you have to get a pinfall, and the whole point of the mm-hmm. cage is to keep people inside and people out and just using that cage as a weapon. I miss using the cage as a weapon. I think you do need blood in the cage match. Yeah. And you can't have cage matches as often as they do right now. It's just crazy. It's just overused. It just doesn't feel like anything special. This should be a blow off. Because we saw it on Raw 30, which wasn't really a match, but it was a cage. We're going to get one on Raw. Was it next week? Yeah. Yeah. And then we got one this weekend on NXT, I think, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree. It's so overused. And why is it overused if you can't really use it to its true effectiveness? So I, I agree with you. What'd you think of the angle on Raw 30 with uh, Bailey and and them just locking her in and beating her down? That felt like an old horseman angle. I thought it's the best damage control has looked so far. I agree. Yep. I mean, they didn't lose a match, which is a plus, but they also, it's like they're really utilizing the the numbers game. They seemed like a brutal, like cutthroat faction and uh, Becky was laying. So I thought it was fine. Yeah. And they use the cage to their advantage. Yes. Yes, exactly. That was the weapon. They didn't need to use other shenanigans within the cage. They used the cage as the weapon. Yep. So, yeah. Obviously, you know, it would have been nice to see a full match, but we're, we're getting it. And, um, you know, they had, everything everything was rushed on that show anyways. So, yeah, I feel like everything was getting cut. But uh, speaking of cut, everybody's cutting this match. Everybody's bleeding. Stage number three. Ladder match. So Sean's specialty going into this. Uh, but at this point, both guys I kind of mentioned this earlier. Both guys are just spent, can barely stand. And really, it's just who can get to the ladder first and climb it. Um, this this stage of the match is pretty short. But uh, Sean does. He tries to suplex Triple H onto the ladder. I don't know if he missed the ladder or if Triple H at the last second was like, you know what? Let's let's not land on this ladder. <laughs> um, but uh yeah. Other than that, I mean, Triple H, oh yeah, you were talking about the splat spot where uh, mm. Sean does the splash from near the top of the ladder and just takes a family guy bump and just <laughs> push. <laughs> it's just gnarly. The, the sound it made was, yeah, I, I, that was a good point. I think it might be the stiffer ring because it, it, it might be particularly yeah. brutal. Um, Sean or uh, Triple H just the pedigree onto Sean starts climbing the ladder. Gets pulled off. Sweet chin music. Sean begins to climb. And it, I, I love the shot of it, too, because it's you're, you're watching his back from him from the back. Climb the ladder. You see the crowd in the background. You see the title slowly come into frame. He's almost there. And then that damn ladder starts to tip over. Triple H pushes it over. Sean goes crashing through all of the previously set up four tables on the outside. And uh, this allows Triple H to go up there, grab the belt and uh, new world champion Triple H and uh, the reign of terror begins, I guess. But uh, yeah, good stuff here. Good stuff here, I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, I th- you're right. I think the maybe the ladder match is five minutes, but it's all it needed to be. I love, again, Sean selling like even to start the match off. He's trying to put that ladder in the ring and he can he's struggling even to do that, which 
yeah. gave them time to clear the ring out of the cage and all the other stuff as well. That splat spot was just unbelievably gross. I tell you, I missed the Wiley e. Coyote cam, as Jerry Lawler calls it, that one right. from above. That that was always great. Um, and then just the drama of of the whole climb up the ladder, and you don't see Triple H coming into frame. And you're right, they did mm-hmm. such a good job of framing the title as well. I mean, this is it's so nice to watch a WWE event without uh, eight billion cut camera cuts going on. Um, yeah, although it's it's not near as bad now as it was. Of, prior to Vince leaving. Uh, and then the other thing I noted was how athletic is Sean? Like he goes through those tables, but he somehow manages to kick his legs up to avoid that table <laughs> impaling him when it fell on him. And just the guy, oh, the guy shit, is, just, yeah. is just a magician out there, but this is peak Sean at this point, like in literally what's this third match back um, after being out for four years. Yeah. Something like that. Something like, well, yeah, I think he had a match on raw against uh, Rob Van Dam. Okay. We're, we're, yeah. we're less than five for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A handful of matches basically that he's fought and you can put it up against anybody on the roster at that point. So uh, yeah, I thought the whole storytelling from this match, I know it, it, yes, it took a while because of three matches, but it was fantastic. I could have watched it even longer. No, yeah, these guys always, their matches are always good. And uh, yeah, Sean, even after, I, th- I feel like his career post back injury was way better than his his pre-back injury career, which I guess it was longer, but still, yeah. I mean, the, the quality of stuff he was putting out there was amazing. Act and we're only two, just getting started act here. Act two was better than act one. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, it's off to evolution after this show. Um but uh, yeah, that brings Armageddon to a close. Triple H is on top. All is right with the world, I guess. And uh, A Train's here. So, any overall, any overall thoughts on uh, Armageddon 2002? Uh, Anything we didn't cover? No, nothing that we didn't cover. I just honestly, I thought it was a really good pay per view. I really enjoyed the show. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you had your blips there with the whole Batista Kane and the whole Don Marie Tory stuff was just absolutely loony. Um, the women's match got cut a bit, but everything else yeah. made up for it. I mean, just everything. If you got a Benoit Eddie match in there and you got Sean and Triple H, what else do you need at that point? Mm-hmm. But we had some some other good items, and yeah, basically the A Train is the star of the show, and Ric Flair is the MVP. <laughs> we're on we're on the fast track to success. Is that what you're telling me? I see nothing but good things for A Train coming up. Oh boy, <laughs> and don't watch WrestleMania 19. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey yeah, a-train we're gonna have you met nathan jones yet <laughs> he's gonna oh, be working with you <laughs> man matt morgan too comes matt around morgan, and then we yeah. get that that hoss faction that's mm. there is some real dog shit in 2003 <laughs> but uh i can't wait to cover it that's that's a that's a war i would like to wrestle with but speaking of which once again, thanks you, thank you, BC, for uh, taking the time to check out the show and come on and recap it. Where can everybody find you and uh, the Wrestling with the Truth podcast or wrestling? Sorry, Habit. It's both wrestling it's both. with the oh, is it both? Okay, yeah, don't worry about it. It's a uh, that was a nice segu as we like to call it on our show with the uh, wrestling go. with the war. But yeah, so we like to keep it very confusing for our listeners and followers. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is Wrestling With The War is our audio podcast, so it's on all, all audio platforms. That's where we're talking about the, the Monday Night War between WCW and WWF. We're starting right from the be- right from the beginning, the first Nitro, and moving our way through. 
Uh, so we're into October of 1995 right now, and we're just about to review the vaunted Halloween Havoc 95 pay-per-view. That'll be our next episode. Uh, <laughs> have fun with that one. Yeah, I believe you've done that one before, have you not? Mm-hmm. Somewhat oh. recently. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, and uh, we just, we're just we just covering all the episodes in October leading up to this and In Your House 4 at this point. Uh, we just had the Shawn Michaels uh, jumped by 10 guys in the parking lot incident, right? <laughs> with guns, um, right? Yeah. With guns, yeah. They're all Marines. They're, you know, the ultimate fighting <laughs> fighting crew is what kicked his ass. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, that's what we're doing on the audio side. On the, on the uh, visual side, we have our YouTube channel, which is Wrestling With The Truth still. Uh, that's where we just do kind of random stuff, uh, different different things. We did a live stream with the boys from Smack Draw podcast this past week. It was real fun. Uh, we just throw some things up, like predictions, reviews, different things like that. We're trying to stay more with the current product than that, and the, the, the whole rest mm-hmm. of the war is the old product. So if you want to come on over there, uh, make sure you're subscribed. We try to put some stuff out weekly, and like I say, we're trying to get more into the live streams. We're going to definitely have you on there, Kyle, at some point to talk some, uh, sure some wrestling as well. Um, other than that, go on to um, Twitter or whatever, and it's WWTT Pod for Twitter. Um, you can find me at BC Hunter WWTT, and um, what Facebook is Wrestling with the Truth as well, and Instagram and all that stuff. But you'll find us. Don't worry about it. You'll find. You'll us figure somewhere. it out. You'll yeah. figure it out. You guys are <laughs> smart. You can do it. Uh, some they, they listen to the show. They they can't be that intelligent. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you're you're you do the old, the new, and you're the second best at trivia. So like, what else is there to say about it? That was an <laughs> epic, epic battle. It's it'll go down in the annals of history, or maybe the annals of history. I don't know, but it's going to go down in something. It's it's going down in my anus. That's for sure. <laughs> Once again, thank you to BC Hunter from the Wrestling with the War podcast, and also the Wrestling with the Truth podcast. Follow him. Follow Jay, follow the podcast, do it all right now. Fucking do it. All their info in the uh, in the old deal below the description, or maybe it's above. I don't know. What, I don't know what platform you use. Do that. Follow them. They're good boys. Uh, follow me too. I'm also a good boy. Daddy. Uh, at Apron Bump on everything: Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what else? What else? You know where to find me, right? You're, you've made it this far. Odds are you probably know it where, wherever I am uh, at all times. So I think that's about, I think that about wraps it up. I think, um, you know, this podcast is coming to a close. I guess you could say. The end is here. Right? News with me, folks. It's the theme song of the, uh, the event. But... That's about all daddy has for you today. So I think I'm going to think I'm going to split. Going to go get a slutty pump. Going to go pet my cats and uh, maybe stick a finger up my ass or something. I don't know. But with that, I bid you adieu. Good night. Or the fuck. I don't know. What does Kenny Omega do? Stupid shit. You know. I'm a sleepy boy. Get the hell out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. I I, I, I truly love you all. I'm hard. Yeah.